The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will talk about the Packer 53-man roster. Surprise versus no surprise. We're going to play that game. Have a lot of fun with it. It should be a good segment. We're also going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why tonight's loss encapsulated everything about this month. We will also talk a little bit about the time of the year that is right now where I'm a weird sports fan. And I hate it. I hate this this start of it. Once I get past it, it's fine. But it's always really, really strange for me. And it's probably because I'm not online too much. But we'll talk about that more. I also want to quickly mention on Summerfest, sticking with the three-weekend schedule. Thought that was interesting. Uh, wanted to note that as well. All right, before you're going, Tevin the Keg on Twitter, Tevin the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, uh, also on Facebook too, for the boomers out there. Uh, so make sure you're following along on one or if not all. And then make sure that you're rating and reviewing if you haven't already. Uh, we would appreciate it greatly. Um, also, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Uh, we know that if you are coming in from TikTok, you're coming in from Instagram, you're coming in from somewhere else, parts unknown, uh, joining our program, love to have you. Hopefully you stay, um, as I'll say, and I'll probably be done with it because I feel like Tim Allen, we're all moved on. It's going to be September, but last call for those who are still looking for a radio station for WSSP. Last Daily Tap of the week uh, today. I uh, have Tab and Keg tomorrow. And then we have a fun new show with an announcement on Friday. Um, I, it is supposed to be a te- test show. Um, so I will. I probably should just be a little more cognizant that if the test show, if there's still some work left to be do with that test show, um, that we're, you know, we're not necessarily being like, oh yeah, the new show's coming out. And then it's a Daily Tap. But stay tuned. I'm really excited for it. Um, I think you guys are going to be as well. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Packers 53-man roster. Green Bay Packers are down to 53 players on their roster. They can start getting ready for the Minnesota Vikings, which takes place in about 10 days, right? Uh, Right around there, Uh, Packers and Vikings on September 11th, a 325 start, the debut of Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart as the number one guys in the booth. They will now have a 53-man roster, just like the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings actually cleaned a lot of house today from the old regime, which I thought was pretty interesting. And the Green Bay Packers had some things that were surprising, had some things that really weren't stunning at all, and had things that could have been surprising to the right guy or the right gal. I think when a 53-man roster cutdown happens, there's usually some outrage, or usually is, I can't believe... They got rid of this guy versus that guy. Um, But you also have to remember that the practice squad exists. You remember that the Green Bay Packers can add, I believe, eight players to their practice squad. So there are obviously some confidence that maybe they could add this guy or that guy, and they can elevate people off the practice squad. It's one of the cooler things the NFL has done in the last, I don't know, couple years is basically have the ability to say, all right, someone's hurt. We're elevating this guy to the 53-man roster, almost like a same-day IL thing for baseball or other sports. It's really cool. Or a G League call-up, right? You see that, too, in the NBA. I think we've gotten a lot better about not being so rigid with our rosters, and I think the league and the teams benefit from that. So you still could see guys on the Packers team, whether it's the first game of the year against the Vikings, second game against the Bears, or the third against the Buccaneers. 
But we're going to play a little game called Surprise or No Surprise. And we'll we'll try not to middle. I'm going to do this uh, in honor of Bill Simmons who said you got to plant the flag a little bit more. I will heed his advice. We're either going to say it's a surprise or it's not a surprise. That's it. We're not going to give a kind of surprise. And if I do, call me out on it and we'll figure out a punishment for me. Okay? Let's start with the quarterbacks. That's the easiest one. I can set out right out of the way. Uh, no surprise at all. Jordan Love. And Aaron Rodgers, Danny Atling cut. I don't think anyone is stunned by that. Packers have been known to keep a quarterback on the practice squad, keep a third quarterback, just to have the room, I think, a little more lively. I think helps with scout as well. So I would imagine that Danny Atling will be rejoining the Packers as part of that practice squad. But I will probably say that a lot, and I have to realize that there's only certain amount of spots for players. You can't put everybody back on your practice squad, right? Now for the running backs. You have A.J. Dillon and you have Aaron Jones. That's it. That is a surprise. I think that we all debated whether Tyler Goodson or Patrick Patrick Taylor were the guys. Like I think that was the real discussion for all of us. We thought, all right, is it going to be Tyler Goodson? Is it going to be Patrick Taylor? There were cases for both that Goodson looked like a legit speed demon, looked like a guy who could really contribute to what the Packers want to do this season. And then you had... Patrick Taylor on the other side where maybe he wasn't the same athlete as Goodson was, but he was really good on special teams. He was really a good pass blocker and Green Bay could use that. They have said, fuck it. We're not going to go with either of them. We're only going to have two running backs. I think that is very risky. I think that will be a conversation that is had between you know radio show hosts today. But I, I do think they will get one of those guys in the practice squad. So there you go, number two of the practice squad. I do think they're going to get one of those guys on the practice squad ready to go for a potential you know, return. Or if you need to elevate that player, you have him in the background. If they're not going to get Taylor and Goodson, I would imagine they get another running back. They also must feel really good about the prognosis that Kylan Hill is making. Remember, Kylan Hill tore his ACL. He was out for the year last year. Uh, didn't contribute much. Showed a little bit of promise here and there. Also in the kick return game as well, as well as just running the football. I think they believe Kylan Hill could be back, you know, for week five. He's on the pup. He's going to miss the first four weeks. But I could see Kylan Hill being ready to play for week five or week six. And so because of that, the Grand Packers look at it and say, we don't need a third running back when we have to release him because Kylan's going to be that third guy. That's what I assume Brian Gutekunst is thinking, even though it is a surprise. Wide receiver room. So the obvious ones, but they also decided to keep Samari Torre over Jawan Winfrey. That is not a surprise. Okay, I know what you're saying. You're like, everyone thought Jawan Winfrey was going to make the team. Aaron, it was Aaron Rodgers' guy. I get all of that, but I think they're taking Torrey's potential versus Juwan Winfrey. They've had Juwan Winfrey in Green Bay for the last two years. Even though Aaron Rodgers likes him, Aaron Rodgers liked a lot of receivers, and the Packers haven't listened to him, whether it's Jared Aberderis, whether it's Jake Kumaro, whether it is... Oh, I forget the other guy's name. I had another one on the tip of my tongue. It's Kumaro Aberderis. Well, there's obviously Jeff Janis. I mean, that's... That is the obvious one, but I was thinking of somebody else. But it was Kubero and Aberdares for sure. Jeff Janis definitely should be mentioned in that group. Coincidentally enough, they're all Caucasian white guys. I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means, if anything. But Juwan Winfrey breaks through the mold there. A little diversity. Uh, but yeah, Juwan Winfrey, I get it. I get why people could be frustrated. But we're really debating the seventh wide receiver on the team. All right. I, I made the point that you have... 
you need to have more wide receivers because you need to see what you have with the young guys. And if some young guy doesn't perform and another guy is breaking through in practice, he should be given that chance. And we've seen seven round receivers come out of nowhere, not initially, but year two, year three, a guy named Donald Driver, if you ever heard of him. I'm not saying Samari Torre is the next Donald Driver, but Samari Torre showed potential and he showed enough to keep on the roster. And as Pulila pointed out, Brian Gunacus loves, loves his draft picks. There's a reason that they got drafted by the Green Bay Packers. And unlike Ted, who is known for pulling an undrafted guy out of his ass, while Packers still do a little bit of that, Brian Gunacus is a slave to his board. And he wants his board to be right. And more times than not, he has won in that. So I'm not going to doubt what Brian Gunacus sees in Samari Torre. I think Juwan Rinfrey is a fine player. I don't even think he'll make it to the practice squad. I think he'll get picked up somewhere else. Um, and he could shine. Um, but I just don't think... The Packers needed him. Tight ends, no surprise there. Um, so this has been a little bit of a rough segment, I promise you. There will be there will be some surprises. There will be some surprises down the road. Uh, I, I assumed all, all four tight ends were going to make it. I, I know Tyler Davis has been a guy that people have been wondering about and concentrating about all summer, but at the same time, he has the, the backing of the organization. If they believe in Tyler Davis and they see maybe the next Robert Tunyon, then I'm going to trust that they, they know what they're doing. They've been pretty good on tight ends. They've hit well. I still have Josiah Daguerre stock. I wouldn't say that I'm on his island, but I would say that I'm holding like Josiah stock. And would I move out to his island if I see what I, I want in the next couple, the first couple games? Absolutely. Like I, I think there's potential there, right? He's a third round pick for a reason. He has he has that talent. I think he's one of those guys that Gunakus gets ripped on. The third round curse is something that we do need to investigate. By the way, uh, that's that could be a really good topic for a down period, which we won't have many of them in the near future. But maybe a slow news day. Um, which I don't know if I have to trademark that to Kevin Clark when I say it, but yeah, I think we should definitely talk about the third round curse, which Degara could be also a part of. But yeah, I, I'll trust in the backers. They know what they're doing. Offensive line, I would consider it a surprise. I, I This is one where I would like to kind of not take my flag and be like, eh, I want to like lightly plant it because like, I think people thought Caleb Jones makes the team. I think Caleb Jones is really impressive. Rashid Walker only had one round of game reps and he made him count. And because he is a Gunakus draft pick, they decided to keep Rashid Walker. I will say this about Rashid Walker, just for whatever it's worth. He was a top prospect. He was a five-star guy out of Penn State. He did not necessarily have the best college career. The potential is there. To have Rashid Walker as the next project, just like you had with Josh Neiman, like, I got to be down with that. Packers have been so good with offensive linemen. Zach Tom obviously made the team, but he's going to be starting as probably the right guard first game of the year. And Tom was picked in the fifth round this, this last year. So I trust that the Packers know exactly what the fuck they're doing when it comes to offensive, offensive linemen. So in a way, it's not a surprise, but I do consider it more surprising that Caleb Jones did not make the roster. I think a lot of people thought Caleb Jones would be on this team because he played so well during the training camp, but there had to be an odd man out. And the odd man out that was chosen was him versus the seventh round pick and the potential of Walker. I do think Caleb Jones finds his way to another roster. Daniel Jeremiah pointed out that it's like every year they always look for backup offensive linemen and backup cornerbacks. So I think 
Jones will have a job somewhere else and hopefully he'll succeed. I think he definitely has the potential to be something special. Continuing on, going to the defensive line. Defensive line, probably the biggest surprise, right? Uh, they get rid of Jack Heflin. Uh, I think everybody really liked Jack Heflin. I think what Jack Heflin showed in preseason seemed to be like a guy who could be a rotational guy, similar to what we've seen with Tyler Lancaster in the past um, or any of the other you know kind of lower level defensive linemen but they decided to not keep him they also decided not to keep Chris Slayton um, which was really interesting uh, Chris Slayton I also thought performed really well and they went with Jonathan Ford instead again a seventh round pick who Gunaku stuck to keeping his picks he didn't get rid of his pick this one I think is a little costly I would have kept Slayton or Heflin like I I don't get that at all. Like to me, that's the one that makes zero sense. Now, Brian Gunacus has been right. He he builds rosters really well, so I will trust that. I had another buddy tell me that Halfland was just a body. I disagreed with him, so maybe I'm I'm the one that's wrong, and maybe him and, and Brian are right, and that will prove out. We'll see. Maybe you can get if Halfland can be can be had on the practice squad. That means that we overvalued Heflin. So we'll see. I think that's that's going to be the big discussion. But I just didn't see Ford deserving a 53-man roster spot. I feel like you could have cut Ford and he would have been right back on the practice squad without anything. He was not a meaningful player in in training camp. So I don't think anyone was going to take him. So that's, that's a little surprising. Inside linebacker, not surprising at all. Uh, I think the guys you all expected, Devondre Campbell, uh, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, I think all four are great. Uh, the Ty Summers thing made a ton of sense, which we talked about on Monday. So I think inside linebacker was set. Edge, I would say edge is surprising in the sense that I I didn't necessarily see enough with Tipa Galle this year. I felt like Kobe Jones had came on strong. I felt like there was a good amount of hype around Kobe Jones after joint practices. But obviously, Kobe Jones didn't do enough to sort of show the Packers that he deserved to be on the roster. Tiba Galle has been there now for, I don't know how many years. He's been there for a while. Um, so I think maybe they've invested enough in him and they see there's still a chance that he could be a rotational edge rusher. Uh, Kingsley Ingbar got another draft pick. Jonathan Garvin. I think I think those guys are obviously still rotational players and will have impacts for the Green Bay Packers. Cornerback, also surprising. See, I told you guys. I, told you, I said, like... We are going to get to the surprising stuff. Corner is surprising in the own right that they only kept five. They usually are a six, 16 corner. Like you're asking a lot from the, the guys you have. And Jair Alexander has had some health issues in the past. Eric Stokes had got banged up. I just I like Kishon Nixon. I like Samar Jean Charles. I just would like to have a little more corner depth. And as it's been noted, cornerbacks are kind of hard to find so green bay likes their five but i would imagine they get a fit six one whether it is on this roster or a guy they'd previously caught or if it's somebody that they're adding to the practice squad from another team as for the safety position also surprising say look i, I ended it out with a bunch of surprises um eight adrian amos savage obviously but then dalen levitt terry carpenter micah abernathy so why I'm surprised here is because Carpenter and Abernathy made the team. Levitt, who struggled in game speed, did not look good against the 49ers. He's still a special teams guy. His shoulder injury must be all right. So Levitt's going to be a contributor on special teams. He's Rich Masaccia's guy. 
I didn't think he was not going to make the 53-man roster unless he was hurt and they had to put him on a pop or they had to put him on the IR. Um, Terry Carpenter, another Gutekunst draft pick. Abernathy was a USFL guy who people thought he was just there to you know fill a role, help fill in with Vernon Scott missing, and now Abernathy's made the 53-man roster. That's fucking awesome. He showed some things, too, in that Kansas City game, in the New Orleans Saints game where he had an interception. So who knows? Maybe Abernathy kind of is a breakout guy, and maybe the safety depth is a little overrated because I was also going to say why it's a surprise is there were a lot of fraction safeties that became available. Like Deshaun Gibson got released. Anthony Harris got released. Who else got released? There were there were a couple others that, that got released where it's like, why do you even need to take any of these young guys? Just go get a veteran. But maybe it's part of it where they know they might not play special teams. I know Carpenter, Levitt, Abernathy will all play special teams. Lastly, special teams... Not a surprise at all. Uh, Mason Crosby off the pup. Maybe you could argue that's a surprise, but I think that was it all along. Um, so Mason Crosby back, Pat O'Donnell, uh, and Jack Coco, uh, who has this long snapper job for now, but I know there is a lot of pressure there. I'll be curious about Crosby. I think when we talk storylines next week, um, a little preview for that, like we're going to talk about the storyline of Mason Crosby and how will he look without any game reps. Like I think... If you want to worry about one guy that hasn't had any game reps, it's Mason Crosby. I don't you worry about Aaron Rodgers not having game reps or Alan Lazard not having game reps. I worry about Mason Crosby more than any of those guys, especially in an environment like U.S. Bank Stadium, one of the loudest places, one of the toughest places to play. Um, that doesn't seem like a good combination, but maybe Packers won't have to kick it. Maybe they just go for two the whole time. Who knows? But yeah, that's the roster. Uh, we'll see what the practice squad stuff lays out. I think they, that's due by Saturday. So we're, we're going to have a little bit of time before we know who makes the practice squad and who doesn't. Um, so we'll, we'll obviously update that when we get back at it on Tuesday post-Labor Day. And if you're wondering, yes, we don't have a show on Monday. So that will not be happening. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why this loss summed up the month. So... I did a podcast yesterday where I basically was like, oh, maybe this is a time where the Brewers get hot. They've won four straight. The vibes are good. Everything like that. Brewers get up two to one. And yeah, they're not having a ton of offense. Mitch Keller has looked really good against him. Looks like the first round pick that Pittsburgh expected him to do. Mitch Keller has not been that that guy for the last couple weeks. And he just absolutely fucking shoves against the Brewers. And Colton Wong was able to still get a home run off him. And it was a 2-1 Brewer lead. After that, uh, Matt Bush were to give up a home run and Brad Boxberger walked in a run. And the bullpen again let the Brewers down. The bullpen has allowed 13 home runs since the month of July, I believe, or it's the month of August. I retweeted Adam McAlvey on that, and it's bad. That is really bad. It's a bad day. It's a sad day. Uh, just You really can't have that. You just really, really cannot. Oh, it's in August. Excuse me. So we're just going up 15 home runs as rele- with from relievers in the month of August. That is nearly a homer every other day. So every other day, a reliever is giving up a home run. So this month for the Brewers, which I want to talk more about tomorrow, maybe with Mitch, but the Brewers were 11-15. They had leads and lost them in 13 games, 4-9. Decided in the final at-bat, 4-6, and six, couple walk-offs in there. Decided by two runs or fewer, 7-11. Seven, seven and 11. And opponents with losing records, 14 games, so almost half of, this, half of the slate, 5-9. Wins of 4-plus, 
wins of four plus three. One seven nothing win, one four nothing win. Losers of four plus runs, three, all to the Dodgers. So then someone replied, in summary, this month has been a consistent kick in the nuts for not having that one hit every game. Lovely. J.R. Radcliffe, who had the tweet, should give him credit at the stop at the stop at the start there, said yes, that is absolutely correct. This is this has been a brutal month. I'm so happy August will be over for the Brewers. I know the Diamondbacks are red hot all of a sudden. Uh, they're playing really good baseball uh, on the verge of sweeping the Phillies. They just swept the Diamondbacks. Uh, or, I'm sorry, they just swept the White Sox over the weekend. So they are maybe going to be on a six-game winning streak facing the Brewers, which is not ideal. I am not asking for that in the slightest. So that's not great. Um, that doesn't make you feel good. But why it kind of encapsulates the season besides... Radcliffe's notes is that anytime the Cardinals lose, it seems like the Brewers also lose. And the Brewers had the Padres win. So even if the Brewers had won tonight, they would have only been a half, one and a half game back against Padres. But now since they lost, they go two and a half back and they make no ground on the Cardinals. And that just cannot happen. You can't miss those opportunities, especially when they face a team like the Cincinnati Reds. Or they face a team like the Cubs over the weekend. Or the Washington Nationals upcoming. You have to take advantage of those games. I realize you're not scoreboard watching. And you need to play every game like it's 1-0. But those are the valuable days you miss. Because, let's hypothetically say, you win tonight, but you lose tomorrow. And the Cardinals come back and they beat the Reds again. Which should be assumed. And you have, then then okay. Like, you, yeah, it's a wash. It sucks it's a wash. But you don't necessarily lose a game. And now you have a tendency if you drop another series to the Pirates, which I probably will lose my mind. If you drop another series to the Pirates, I mean, that's we're getting close to that dunk club. Like I said, I need to see 9-4 and four in the stretch, maybe 10-3. and three. Um, Unfortunately, you're playing the Diamondbacks who are red hot this weekend, so I feel like that impacts it. Um, I talked to a guy on Twitter the other week, I think, about how people overvalue like win-loss records. You have to understand how the team is playing, um, which my friend Mitch could definitely be considered in that group um, because he'll, he won't recognize what the Diamondbacks have been doing. He'll just be like, oh, they're a shitty team, so we should beat them. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's just a little more than that, right? But yeah, you have to take advantage and the Brewers just cannot seem to. And that when I asked yesterday if this is actually a team getting hot or is it just a tease, this is what I mean. Now, you win tomorrow night, then you have five out of your last six. You go on a five and no, no, that's not yeah, right. That would be four. Yeah. Be four out of your last five. So it'd be it'd be still pretty good heading into the weekend. But yeah, you have to face the nine backs who I've mentioned a couple times. Red hot. Zach Gallon has been pitching really fucking good. Guess what? You get to see him Sunday. Congrats. So hopefully the Brewers can figure it out uh, against Pirates on Wednesday night. I don't even know who's pitching. I know Freddy Peralta goes. We'll see if he can follow up his awesome uh, no-hitter performance on Friday with another good one against the Pirates. Let's see who's going for Pittsburgh. They were undecided last checked. We're going to get old friend Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson only good against the Brewers, so that we have that going for us. Uh, Zach appeared on Friday. He did not start, but he pl- pitched five innings. Did pretty well after Bryce Wilson got absolutely wrecked in that first inning of that game let's see zach thompson against the brewers this year has probably the nicest splits out of anybody 
against the Brewers. Oh, actually, as a six-six-two ERA, he blew up. What is he the? He wasn't. No, that was Rosny Castillo. When did he blow up against the Brewers? The Brewers lost the game. That they lost that Thursday game. That was the Woodruff one when Council got kicked out. Hunter Renfro bunted. He. When did he blow up against the Brewers? Oh, that first game of the season. Yeah, the 18th, Brewers won 6-1 that night. But other than that, like he's been pretty solid. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, definitely a must-win for the Brewers. Like, we're, we're now, we can say things are must-win. Tomorrow's a must-win. You have to get into that road trip, and you have to win two series against the, the Cubs and Pirates. You win two series, and then you follow it up with hopefully a – Probably a four and three road trip. Honestly, usually I'm like, all right, four and three and four is okay. We're not, we're past that point. We need to be above 500 in really everything that we're doing going forward. My only other note uh, from this one is yet again was I able to listen to the Brewers on the radio and enjoyed Bob Euchre talking about the tallest players he faced in the eighth inning. Uh, so a tie ball game, and Bob Euchre talking about the tallest guys he played against and who he he actually had his teammates because the dude is enamored with O'Neill Cruz. Like I just think it breaks Bobby Uecker's brain that O'Neill Cruz is six seven playing shortstop. Like he just doesn't get it. Like it's like it's past his prime almost. But I mean I know Uecker's old guy, but he's like I just don't. This doesn't make sense. He's a shortstop. He's six seven. I don't get it. And like he just keeps coming back to it. Like I was I listened to the game on Monday as I told you guys yesterday, and it was the same fucking conversation. Like the guy just really, really doesn't. I wouldn't say he doesn't get it. He just he likes him. He thinks he's a good player. He's just like this. This shouldn't work. <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it, man. O'Neill Cruz just continues to rip us the fuck up. It's been frustrating. All right, enough about the Brewers. Let's wrap up today's show. So I saw Cam Jones handing out Marquette T-shirts to people who are wearing Wisconsin gear or any other college gear that was not the Marquette Golden Eagles. It was a great social media marketing effort. It was a great way to get the fans engaged, to have them thinking about Marquette basketball, to promote their message of better together, which seems to be the new slogan, the new mantra for the Golden Eagles. But it reminded me that this is a really tough part of the year for me. When college football begins, I have to deal with the fact that I like the Wisconsin Badgers. I would consider myself a Badger fan. I do Badger reviews. I have friends who are who follow me uh, that I that I interact with on a regular basis that are Marquette fans that would not be caught dead wearing red. Um, that they hate the Badgers and they just have a disdain. Now a lot of Badger fans would say, "Oh, that's little brother over there," and you know there's an inferiority complex. But I do understand from my wife, who's also a Marquette grad, there's a real dislike for the Badgers because they act better than everybody else. And I do also think it's ironic that some of the people talking about the inferiority complex are people that didn't even go to fucking Wisconsin. So it's hard for me to get accepted into the Marquette community, if you will, the MUBB Twitter, which I would say that I'm a loose participant in. Um, and I'm, I would say I'm a fringe guy, right? Like I, I get called upon um, if I'm needed. Maybe people interact with my tweets. But at the end of the day, they're also going to say, ah, you're not really a Marquette fan because you also like Wisconsin. Here's the thing. I never, never was told by my dad who went to Marquette to be a to be like against Wisconsin, to cheer for somebody else. We always cheer for Wisconsin. Badger, we, we went to Badger Rose Bowl parties. 
We wore Badger gear. There was nothing wrong with being a Badger in our house. Even when my sister went to Minnesota, because she's not a huge, you know, fan of sports and not that's not her thing, we still were Badger fans. I like the Badgers. I'm probably going to go to Camp Randall this year with Murph and Mitch, having a keg field trip. That's probably on the books. So, like, I really, I really don't have any disdain for the Badgers. And I think that this is a Marquette fan problem of people who went to Marquette. So a lot of people in that Marquette Twitter community went to Marquette. It is a, it's a, it's a big fan base, but it's not. And a lot of the people that are in there and why they're so passionate is because they actually went to the school. It's not like a normal state school, like a Wisconsin, like an Ohio State, like an Illinois, uh, where they have just this larger than life fan base, even in the Big East, right? People are on the Villanova bandwagon because Villanova has been so fucking good. And of course you cheer for winners. That's, that's life. Georgetown has a ton of fans that aren't people who went to Georgetown. Marquette doesn't really have that. Maybe they have people who come in for Dwayne Wade or Jimmy Butler and they like Marquette, but I wouldn't say they care as much to, you know, dislike Wisconsin. So I love what Cam Jones is doing, but it always is the time of year where I feel so weird. I'm like, do I produce this content? Like, I also have people who probably follow me who for Packers or for Bucks who are Badger fans and are like, well, why aren't you covering Badger basketball? Like, why, why aren't you doing reviews for Badger basketball? First of all, I'm not, again, I don't want to do something I don't love. Like, I think with the Badger, with Badger football, it's a secondary thing. I'm not going to get fired up, as fired up as I do with others. If you watch my tone of those videos, it's a little bit different than what you see from the Brewer game on a day-to-day basis or the Bucks or Packers. It's going to be different. It just is. Because I don't lose sleep if the Badgers lose. I have friends of mine who absolutely are catatonic when the Badgers lose. Whether it's football, whether it's basketball. It's not my thing. Now Marquette loses. Uh, It depends on the year. I think some years I'm way more upset about it than others. I think there are other years where Marquette has had me tune out. And I think it's a Steve Wojciechowski problem more than anything else. And so I don't necessarily get wound up after one loss or something. It takes takes a little while to accumulate. But I just, it's never a fun time. It's never fun because I know that these fuckers will not accept me. Even though I love Marquette, I've loved them since I could know basketball. I remember going to games with my dad. It doesn't fucking matter. None of it does. I've, I remember watching Amal, Amal McCaskill. I remember watching Jim McElvain. I remember beating Kentucky in the Elite Eight, or I'm sorry, the round of 32 to go to the Sweet 16 to play Duke. I remember that matchup, Marquette and Duke. Those are some of my earliest basketball memories. Yet still, I'm not fully accepted into the fan base because I don't really hate Wisconsin. I have no reason to hate Wisconsin. They're annoying and fuck for basketball. And I think I've leveled out, and we've talked about that in the past, but like I went up to Eau Claire for five years and there's no rivalry. Everybody cheers for everybody. And that's what I think is hard for Marquette fans to conceptualize is that people who don't go to the school, they actually cheer, you know, if it's and it's not Southern Wisconsin, they actually cheer for everybody. They don't just cheer for Marquette. They don't just cheer for Wisconsin. They cheer for everybody. And then when Marquette and Wisconsin play, they, they head over to the Badger side. It's a wild concept for so many people to grasp who, who actually went there. Breaks their brain. They're like, whoa, supposed to fucking hate Wisconsin. 
doesn't always work that way, man. And I feel like gatekeeping fandom is one of the biggest loser behaviors you can do when it's not on a campus. So you're like, oh, you're just calling Cam Johnson gatekeeping? Nah, it's it's a little bit better. It's on campus, okay? It should be a rivalry between the people who actually went there. But so many people who went there want to fansplain and do all the other shit for everybody outside of that community. And no, that was not a Dr. Pepper ad. All right, really quick um, before we ride out, I did want to mention the Summerfest thing. Uh, we'll just call it part of Chuck's Corner uh, for those unfamiliar. Chuck's Corner is where I kind of just shoot the breeze. Um, it's my time to just talk about something that is not sports related. Um, also, too, um, this is not about Summerfest, but I had a very weird gym interaction today. Um, I don't like to talk to people at the gym. Um, it's just not my thing. I have my headphones in. Uh, one of my headphones kicked out, which is awful. Um, so I have to do it, deal with that today. So I'm sure, please say a prayer for me. Um, but anyways, I was lifting. Um, I do circuits. I had a six, 265s on the bench press because I would use them later. Um, not a big deal that I'm dumbbell benching 65. It's okay. Um, I did it 12 times. Uh, again, it's okay. I'm not not trying to brag. Four sets. Um, again, not, not trying to brag. But Anyways, I saw a guy looking at it like, oh, you know, can I have this bench? And usually my attitude with circuits is I'm not going to basically hog everything. And if that somebody takes my weight or somebody takes my bench or somebody takes my machine, that's okay. Because I don't have dibs on it running circuits because I'm running around and doing all that shit. So he looks at it and usually I wouldn't even interact, but I, I just kind of pulled my headphones out and was like, yeah, man, go ahead. Like, it's fine. You can take that. And then he like only does a couple lifts. It's not necessarily by the rack. It was super odd. And I, I'm like, did he mishear me? Did he mishear me where I told him he can't use that? Was that just, was he expecting to hear that? And he assumed I said that. So I felt bad. There's another guy who I kind of get in rivalry with a little bit. And I think he's actually a nice guy. Like, I, I don't actually think he's a mean dude. Like, we just do a lot of similar similar shit when it comes to our body. So we run into each other in terms of, like, weights and in terms of, like, bench, you know, branches and shit like that. But I think him and I now are on a good path. We were, we're kind of contentious for a little bit. But now I think, we're, I think we're in a good spot. It only took, like, six months. Listen, man. You need to have a couple of gym rivalries to fire your ass up. It helps. Gives you a little extra motivation, a little piss in your vinegar, uh, or a little what? That, that fucked that up. Yeah, a little vinegar in your piss. That, that's that's where. Uh, there we go. I had it. It's late. I'm taping this later than I usually like to. Uh, so, oh, I guess we gotta talk Summerfest. So quick on Summerfest. Stay sticking with the three week stuff. Um, they're doing the 22nd to the 24th. They're doing the 29th to June 1st. And then I believe it's like July 6th to July 8th. Um, obviously Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't blame Summerfest for trying this again. I know what a lot of people say. I think people didn't like it. I think the success of State Fair could almost tell you, hey, maybe don't do it this way. Here's what I will say. I think there is a case for it in a variety of ways. Number one, you do not have a sample size to put it up against. Yes, they were not where they wanted to be in 2019. Yes, they were up in 2020. They need to see another version of this to compare and contrast, to really go apples to apples and be like, all right, this worked, and this is the way of the future, 
or people really don't like it and we can't change anything in Wisconsin because that's just how it goes. And some of the things we do are from 19 fucking 50. So that's that that's that. So that's number 1. Number 2 is the fact that maybe in 2023 there are less people, you know, doing everything and everywhere. I think we are all cooped up because of COVID uh, in 2020 and for some people in 2021 that people were looking to not even do Summerfest. They were they're out of the state, they're out of the country, they're out of the out of the Milwaukee County area. And so maybe there will be more free time, more downtime and that might open up things for Summerfest. I will say this doubting anyone's listening but Summerfest needs to get better music they just do they need to figure out a way to bring in a lot of these acts but not bring in the same fucking people every year i realize that those people such as a phil vassar i want to say vassar that's an inside joke i don't know what we'll get but phil vassar like loves loves Summerfest, but no fuck why is phil vassar still playing there now i don't need a headliner this year so maybe that's a bad example but they need to have popular acts that everybody will gravitate to. Even if they're shitty in terms of performance, like some of these mumble ass rappers or some, you know, some like whiny ass, like I'm trying to think of a good, like, like the kid Leroy, right? Like he kind of has that whiny voice. I'm trying to think of, there's like an N guy, N24 or something like that. Um, this is dating me. This is bad for for what we have coming up Friday. Uh, but anyways, uh, still, I I just think you gotta, like, if you wanna do this weekend thing, you really gotta lean in with the youth. Because while you're going to get people, you're gonna get less beer sales and maybe that that's gonna be a problem, uh, I think if you lean in with the youth and you get more of those people, you're gonna be all right. And if you have to, you know, make sure it's spread out so you don't, you avoid a girl talk Imagine Dragons situation, I understand that. All right, that does it for me on the Daily Tap this week. Like I said, Tap the Keg tomorrow. Potential special project surprise on Friday. Um, I will not tell you what that is. Um, If that show doesn't go well for some reason, um, if we have some technical difficulties, if it just, you know, doesn't flow, um, we will, you know, go back to a Daily Tap and I will do a quick, but probably a quick one because I, I, at that point, assume I'll be taping for an hour. So I probably... Don't have a lot left after an hour of taping. I I could do, you know, four or five, but you're taking no breaks. Like this is not we're not taking commercial breaks from fucking AutoZone or Progressive, um, and or taking calls where you can give your voice a break. This is all gas, no fucking breaks for an hour or an hour plus. But I feel good. Like I said, I, I think it's gonna go well. Um, we've taped before, um, so there's a lot. I'm leaving a lot of hints. There's a lot of hints there. Uh, hit me up if you're curious. Um, I won't tell you. I, I won't. We're going to leave this to be a surprise. Um, I, I don't know. There might be an emoji I give you um, if, if I you're on the right right track. But I will uh, I'll keep you in the dark until then. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.